لو كان سلعة تباع لبذلت فيه الأموال العظام أو صعد في السماء لسمت إليه نفوس الكرام بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء ومرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته Welcome all viewers and listeners wherever you may be to another episode of a TBM podcast which is a project dedicated to helping examine with knowledge contemporary affairs happening in the Muslim communities Likewise we discuss topics such as studying in Saudi Arabia benefiting from some of the most prominent Islamic styles of today how to apply to the different universities juggling between middle life Along with studies, self-improvement, education, books, and much more. Hayakallah, Khay Muhammad, how are you, bro? Before we before we jump right into it, um, I wanted you to lead with something you were just telling me right before we started the stream, and that was about a project that a brother was on regarding uh, marital affairs. So, since I don't really know much about it, I was thinking, okay, let's just leave this for the stream and talk about it, and you can we can go through it organically, and you can explain it to the viewers because it sounds beneficial. ايوه ايوه امين سنه صلى الله عليه وسلم على رسول الله so this obviously goes hand in hand with a lot of today's questions uh, so it came to my mind uh, when i saw the topics you've posted for this week uh, it reminded me of uh, this project which uh, f- i came across it in ramadan when we were in mecca uh, with our brother elias and other brothers uh, one of the brothers there He uh, presented to us a, a project he was working on, which is a, a website called Zoj.me, uh, which basically is for helping Salafi brothers and sisters finding suitable uh, husbands or wives. Uh, so the brother himself, alhamdulillah, is a brother known by me, known even better by Elias, a, a good Salafi brother. So alhamdulillah, that's a good thing to know. And he had quite. He mentioned quite a few in, interesting things that, mashallah, yeah, bro, yani, um, that gained my attention or that draw, uh, drawn my attention to this particular uh, project. Uh, first, Alhamdulillah, of course, it's run by Salafi brothers, and also they are in close collaboration with students of knowledge, such as Ilyas. As a matter of fact, the whole website, the whole concept was shaped and approved by one of the Salafi mashayikh that you know very well. And uh, they would go back and forth and asking questions to the sheikh before the whole thing was even published to make sure that everything is according to the sharia and, and, and the Salafi principles, alhamdulillah. Um, in terms of features on the tech side, <clears throat> one of the things that stood out, of course, there's not the time to uh, talk about everything, but I'm just going to mention one or two things that, you know, uh, like I said, caught my attention. One yeah, of the briefly. Things that, one of the things... Yeah, one of the things that communication on the platform only happens through a wali. So there are no phone, phone numbers exchanged or the likes. Um, and the potential suitor wouldn't be able to message the sister privately or directly. Only the wali can initiate the conversation and he'll be part of it as well. Uh, and the platforms got a way for the wali to schedule a, go- a call and the likes and there's moderation generally speaking. Um, of course, one of the strongest points is the fact that the community aspect of it, and they said they're going to implement some sort of verification system whereby you can rest assured that whoever has a certain badge is known by known members of certain selfie communities, their local community. Because one thing that I told the brother is that one thing they have here in Saudi, which is very something ajib, which is um, when someone wants to marry or a, a, a husband, a a potential suitor wants to marry a, 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 a sister, the 
father or the wali requests that he goes to the imam, local masjid, the imam, to get some sort of tezki, if you like, that this person prays in the, in the masjid. And I remember people coming to Sheikh Ali <laughs> and uh, asking like uh, for him to like sign a paper or something that Sheikh, I pray in the masjid with you and you see me regularly, showing you the importance of salah, especially when it comes to uh, marriage. So I said to the brother mm. that something like that would be good if the platform had it whereby whoever has a profile there, you know, at least some members of the community know him to be a real person, that he's not, uh, uh, you know, someone who's known for marrying and divorcing people every couple of months. Just someone in the community to say that, you know, we know this person, he comes to the masjid. Of course, nothing too detailed. The person has to do his own, own homework for that. But I think that is a major plus, really. Um, and they have other things as well, such as a Q&A service, whereby any question... That you might have regarding marriage uh, You post it on the platform And then they ask it to the sheikh and they get it back they got some mini courses they're planning with students of knowledge They've got consultations They've got marriage counselling So it's a very um, So all of this is on the same website Yeah, one and all package for anyone that wants to get married Really Perfect. Um, In a way that is suitable for, for A Salafi brother or sister Something they can trust Alhamdulillah. I think that's really what makes it stand out Tech side, there are so many websites that have the tech side, but it's really about the services and the trust in, in, in the people that run it and the people that have profiles, really. Go ahead and um, share your screen so you can we can see the, the website and just get a general okay. overview of what it looks like. Okay, let me find it a second. I literally, they just, I was looking looking on it today. Sorry. <sighs> Okay, disclaimer, I don't have a profile there in case my family <laughs> watches this recording. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like a, a partner portal or something like that. Because he did say that anyone that wants to help, you know, um, that has like a community or a, a following, they have this partner portal whereby you sign up as a partner and then you can... Uh, cooperate with them in, in, in increasing the reach Which inshallah is from ta'awun alal Birri wa taqwa Because no. at the end of the day It's all about setting up uh, Salafi families inshallah Which you know is a very noble thing to do Can you see okay. my screen? Yeah one second Yeah I see it now Okay so this is the blog They've Hold on blog. one second let me, a... let me go ahead and put it up So everyone else can see it um perfect okay all right as you can see you can see it right yeah uh it's got a blog and, uh, some articles i'm sure that's going to increase the article this is the main web main, marriage. is this the main yeah this uh, is behind right, the right. scenes this after oh, you right. sign in obviously it's not okay. the main one that you see once once you sign when you want to sign up i'll show that one in, in a moment but they've got a blog they've got a q a center this is like after you sign up uh, questions posed by people, answered by scholars. Then they have a library with books and stuff. Hold on, I thought I, I thought you said you didn't have a you didn't have a uh, you didn't have a portfolio or nothing on here. How are you signing, Nahi? No, I don't. I told you they've got. I'm I'm signed in as a partner. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so if if I look, if I go to plans, for example, uh -huh. these are the plans. Um, there's a monthly and there's a yearly, and this, by the way, is for brothers. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the ajib thing is, I really love this. If you go to the sister side, I mean, look at the brothers, they pay $10 a month, $100 mm -hmm. a year. 
If you go to the sisters, it says our platform is free for sisters. We only charge a small one-time $10 fee to reduce the amount of bots, fake accounts, and people who are not serious. Mm-hmm. And when I spoke to the brother about this, he said, because he said, that <laughs> men are in authority over the sisters and you know the man is meant to be paying. So I love this guest, Jumashal. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, so sisters, they sign up for free. They just pay this admin, whatever, $10. Go back to the brother's one? Yeah, brothers, they pay $10 a month, $100 a year. And this is an interesting one, $350 for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. For those looking to revive the beloved, almost abandoned sunnah of polygyny. <laughs> mm, <laughs> I <interesting>. suppose <laughs> those that want to, how can I put it? Um, they have a hobby of, <laughs> they want to marry even more and more and more. One mm. match is not enough. Then they buy the lifetime, I suppose. <laughs> 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 interesting, interesting. So it says what at the top? It says all packages come with. Go, go straight up to the top. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Potential matches, matches, advanced search filtering. Okay, hundred percent privacy. Hide your profile. Block unwanted profiles. Browse all profiles. Okay, interesting, interesting. Yeah, and they said they're going to introduce a white glove service where they're going to able or rely on Zoj and his partners to help you find the right spouse. I suppose it's a service whereby. You just say what you're looking for, and they browse all the profiles for you and give you recommendations. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's 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 what they mean. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so that's the gist of it. Uh, of course, the signing up process is straightforward. Um, mm-hmm. I can show you if I log out. I suppose. <laughs> yeah. So this is the main website. Mm-hmm. You go to find your match, and they just fill out the details. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, so it's um, it's interesting, and the reason yeah. I wanted to share this really is because of the benefit that it can bring. I mean, to be honest, Akhi, one of the main reasons I'm sharing this is because I get so many questions, Akhi, all the time. All of, of us, yeah. Brothers looking for sisters, or sisters looking for suitable brothers, mm-hmm. and you even even if you had uh, a, a list, or if you like people that you would think are suitable, you don't really want to be the middleman, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because at the end of the yeah. day. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of back and forth, so mm-hmm. and then, mm-hmm. I mean, I think this kind of platform, something that you know, if someone says to want to be, ma- I want to marry, whatever, I could tell them, you know, go to that platform. Alhamdulillah. For me, it takes a whole huge load of my back. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, yeah especially yeah, because the people that I trust. Alhamdulillah, it's mm-hmm. something that now I don't need to deal with anymore. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. Jazakallah khair. Allah ya fadik. Um, and obviously, you know, it's a it's a service being used for the general public. So we advise everyone to look into it and see if it suits you, you know, um, be critical and see if it, you know, checks out the boxes that you need. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that will work for you and your family. Uh, let's, let's move on. Again, we gotta, we gotta put that disclaimer because sometimes, you know, people will automatically say like, you know, we recommended something and I'm learning this platform, just like the people who's watching this. I've never used the platform. But the brother asked us to speak about it. And you and Muhammad, he brought it up to me. So I said, okay, let's check it out and let's see how it works. Yeah. So, now, the brother, by the way, he said to me that um, as a partner, he said, we'll give you a code. So whoever signs up for that code gets a discount. I can't remember how much it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he said, you know, we'll compensate you guys as well. Something like that he mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I told him to make it TBN. So just mm-hmm. TBN. They sign up, just write TBN, and you should get a discount. I hope Perfect. it works. I haven't tried it. <laughs> if it doesn't, <laughs> I'll make sure I'll try it, inshallah ta'ala, you know, before the podcast goes out so that it's actually in place. So he said to share that code so that people get, the audience gets a discount, inshallah. 
Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. Jazakallah. Maybe we can even in the future maybe bring the brother on. And he could probably go through even more details of how things work, how they gather questions, yeah. how they filter through it. That way we can, you know, support it and you know, yeah, put it sounds out there. Like a good idea. Yeah, the more people like use it and see the tajdi the better it will get. No, definitely. Because it's definitely, definitely a service sure. that is that is needed. And, and I'm sure he, and I'm sure he would be better suited to answer a lot of the questions that we get mm -hmm. regarding marriage mm -hmm, uh, as mm -hmm. someone who has set up the website and who's getting these questions that he's putting forth mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. with that marriage counseling service as time goes on they'll gain more and more experience mm -hmm. so I think that itself it's a it's a major thing so inshallah I'm sure he would he would agree sometime in the future inshallah sounds mm -hmm. like a good idea yeah may Allah grant tawfiq all right let's move on mm -hmm. to the let's move on to the first suggested topic um this one was a a recommended topic from last week but we didn't get a chance to go over it uh so it is um, the importance of learning the Arabic language and holding on to traditional Arabic and leaving off the dialect and Allah knows best. So what do we have as far as advice concerning that learning the traditional Arabic language and and leaving off any type of dialect? <clears throat> the end of the day, if someone wants to learn the Arabic language for the sake of understanding the Quran and the Sunnah, which in of course, is the most noble intention to have. And that is, I suppose, the biggest reason why people learn the language. And I suppose it goes without saying that you should leave off dialects because dialects are different from uh, the Arabic used in the Quran and the Sunnah. And sometimes it's so much different that it's almost like two completely separate languages. And the proof of that, if you want the proof of that, is... Uh, that you'll find many Arabs in uh, Arab countries whose mother, mother tongue is Arabic who still don't understand the Qur'an mm -hmm. and um, because of the fact that they speak with a dialect. So mm -hmm. some dialects obviously are further away than others. Yeah. Like for example, the dialects in North Africa are <laughs> the most difficult dialects and really, really far away from, from Arabic. Um, then you have other dialects like Egyptian dialect actual Ami itself is also the dialects that I would say that are closest to modern standard Arabic are probably dialects such as the Saudi dialect and um, also I think the Shami dialect to an extent even though that is also quite different um, but yeah so definitely I mean if you are going to I mean of course if you speak a dialect because that's your mother tongue your parents, you're, you're ethnically Saudi, Lebanese, Jordanian. That's your mother tongue. Then, of course, use it to communicate with your parents and your family. It's just like someone that speaks English mm -hmm. with their family, right? And their parents. Mm -hmm. But we're talking here about someone who now is choosing between learning Arabic through a dialect or through the modern standard Fusha Arabic. Of course, you should learn through the Fusha mm -hmm. for the reasons mentioned. And also for another reason, which is that all of the dialects are <clears throat> dialects that uh, branch off the main Fusha language. What does that mean? That basically means that if you know the Fusha, then you will easily understand most dialects. Or it's much easier for you to understand other dialects. But the same thing can't be said the other way around. If you learn a particular dialect, uh, you are not likely to understand another one because of the fact that uh, they don't have that much in common. Okay, so all of the dialects have a certain level of modern standard Arabic in common, all of the dialects. 
Um, so if you learn the Fusha, then you will have made it much easier for yourself to learn any dialect. Mm -hmm. Because Fusha is the Asal, and the dialect is the Farah. So Fusha mm -hmm. is the original, the if you like, the main branch. Whereas these dialects are branches that branch off from the from the main root. So of course, yani go for the Fusha. You'll get the biggest objective of understanding the Quran and the Sunnah. And also you will uh, understand other dialects if that's what you want to do. And when you find narrations or if you find statements from scholars talking about even Sheikh Al-Sabin Taymiyyah, for example, saying that it's wajib to learn the Arabic language, then that's Fusha, not a dialect. <laughs> Yeah. Because he mentions that wajib illa wajib from that mm -hmm. angle that that which is that which you need to perform a wajib becomes wajib. So if it's wajib upon you to understand the wahi revelation from Allah subhanahu wa taala, the Quran and the Sunnah, uh, without blindly following anyone, then it's wajib upon you to understand the language through which that is understood, which is the Arabic language, not dialect, because you don't understand the Quran and the Sunnah through a dialect. So I think that's. Uh, self-explanatory even though i did take yeah. a good 10 minutes to explain it <laughs> <laughs> no no you're good you're good you're good um i think i think you you took that long explaining because this is kind of like a passion for you this is something you've been doing for some time uh you know teaching yeah. arabic language and you know you're really um you know you're really passionate yeah. about it so alhamdulillah i just alhamdulillah, let you definitely. go ahead and take and take that topic because i know that's your that's your well, thing I right do. there Definitely, definitely. I mean, may Allah make it easy for us, but I do believe, and I'm sure you agree with me that uh, if most people were to learn the Arabic language, a lot of the problems that we see on the ground would just disappear. <laughs> a mm. lot of the problems that we see. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So, make it easy. I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I definitely, I would add to that that um, I think first and foremost, I think we discussed this already uh, in previous podcasts. You know, we talked about this, I think, in great depth. Uh, especially when, I think when you were spreading an Arabic program that you were teaching. Um, yeah. But I would say that, yeah, Arabic is essential. You can't really, like Sheikh Islam, like you mentioned, uh, his quote, uh, that he's seen it as wajib. The reason being seeing it as wajib, learning the Arabic language, was because you can't really truly study the Quran. You can't really truly study a hadith. You can't truly study the speech of the companions in the salaf, salah, except that you have the Arabic language. Uh, everything that you see in English is a translation. Um, some translations being better than others, some being translated as understood by the translator. So you might be uh, going through and reading it based off of his understanding of what the sheikh is trying to say and put forth. So in order to fully grasp that understanding and fully um, incorporate it into you know, studying your religion, you must learn the Arabic language. It's an essential. It's an essential. You must know the grammar. You must know the sarf, you know, the formation of words. You must know uh, you know, how to have ta'bir, have a conversation. You must know these different things in the Fusa, the traditional Arabic language. And I think if you're living in the Arabic world or if you're, <laughs> not even, even if you're not living in the Arabic world, um, when you have a teacher, you're going to pick up some, I think some, uh, some uh, forms of the dialects, right? Some like Amiya, some yeah, no slang. Doubt. It's no slang. Some slang is going to come in there, either by way of your teacher <laughs> or by way of, you know, maybe jokes or by way of classmates, you know, it's going to come in there somewhere. So you're going to get it, especially if you're living in the Arabic world. I mean, because everyone's not walking around talking, to, you know, in Fusha, you Fusha. know, <laughs> you know, everyone's not going to this. Bakala, <laughs> looking for looking for it. Looking for, looking for yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did I tell you what happened to me once I went to Panda when I was new to the country. Don't tell me um, you went for you weren't asking about Matt. No, no, no. <laughs> I just I just I mean, I, by that one. time, 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By that time, I brought my family over. Mm. Sah? Mm. And I've already been in the country for a good year. So mm. I wasn't that bad. But nevertheless, mm. I did go to a panda, which is like a, a grocery store here in Saudi. And the guy, the cashier, I spoke to him in Arabic. I suppose a bit of fosha. <laughs> and the guy, he cracked up. He's laughing. And he's like, yeah, friend, yeah, تعال, تعال, تعال. he calls his friend over. <laughs> and he says, listen to this guy. <laughs> Allah was he's like, just say what you said again. And I'm like, I just laughed it off really. But uh-huh. do, you know, do you know why? Do you know why a lot of people in Arab countries, especially the youth, if you like, do you know why they find Fusha so funny? Mm. It's because for them, Fusha equals cartoons. Mm. When you when you come to a shop and you speak Fusha, he's remembering all the cartoons he used to watch when he was young. You know? Okay. Ah, yeah, because the cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the cartoons <laughs> so is in Fusha, kind of, obviously. Exactly. Exactly. So he's like, "Well, who is this guy that just walked out of a cartoon into 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 real life?" <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So interesting. Uh, it's funny. So you might you'll come across uh, you know you'll have you'll have some people giving you funny faces. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Living in an Arab country speaking Fusha, there's no doubt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, going back to what I was saying, I mean, you're going to pick up that dialect, whether you try to avoid it or try to use it, whatever the case may be, you're going to pick it up. Um, ex- Again, especially if you're living amongst, you know, the locals, because they're not walking around speaking of Fusha. And you're going to quickly yeah. learn that. And you're going to have to quickly understand what they're trying to say, and which is actually a benefit because you can learn, okay, maybe what is the asal of that, that word they're using? You know, where does it yeah. come from and where, you know, where did it originate? Because the dialect is not necessarily gibberish. You know, it's not something that's just made yeah. up, but it's, it, is, yeah. it is something that got watered down from its original source. So it actually yeah. will strengthen your Arabic if you actually go back and look and say, where did they get this no, from? And no, how it will, it out? will. It will. I mean, for, for a lot of times, I mean, for the most part, dialogue is nothing but simplifying the language. So they swallow mm-hmm. a lot of letters here and there. Exactly. They join things together. Um, they put a sukun at the end of every word. They don't put their fathas and dhammas and, and the likes. And as a matter of fact, you'll find that, subhanAllah, a lot of the words that people use that you think is a dialect is actually a fusha word. Mm-hmm. Such as khush, for example, khush, when they tell you like, enter. That's a mm-hmm. fusha word, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, things like, for example, if they say um, uh, shuf, uh, shaf, mm-hmm. shuf, uh, that's a fusha word. That's that's, mm-hmm. and many different words that we think are uh, dialect. It's actually mm-hmm. another fusha word that is more widely spread in in, in yep. their locality. Correct. We're not familiar with. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. No. Khair. So again, just to summarize everything we said, learning the Arabic language without a doubt is. Uh, essential to a Muslim, uh, to the believer, to someone who's trying to learn the religion of Islam. Likewise, learning the traditional Fusha Arabic in order to understand that uh, this this ancient text that we have in front of us, you know, and understand the Salaf and how they used to speak and how you explain things. Um, and the dialect, of course, you're going to try to your best, especially in your earlier stages to avoid it, but it's going to come here and there. Just, you know, take it as, look at the benefit of it. And that's trying to look to us also, and you know, um, know it for what it is, and move forward. That's really what what I got for, on the topic. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would add one thing, Achi, which is when you talked about translations, mm-hmm. one might argue, what's the problem with translations, mm-hmm. um, especially in this day and age where almost everything's translated? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you 
pointed out or you uh, spoke about the the angle of accuracy. Okay, yes. how accurate is the translation? Mm-hmm. Uh, in essence, Akhi, I think a bigger problem than accuracy, because accuracy, for the most part, I can say translations for the most part are generally accurate. And if it's not accurate, people, they point it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but a bigger problem, I suppose, than the accuracy of the translation is the selectivity of the translation, which mm-hmm. I like to call selective export, right? Mm-hmm. Or call it selective mm-hmm. import, if you like, whereby mm-hmm. uh, only those things that agree with a certain group's agenda or a certain person's agenda gets translated. And that gives you, as a maskeen, the wrong impression that that is the only opinion mm. or that there is no opposing opinion or that all of the scholars are agreed on this, okay? Not to mention, not, not even to talk about things that happen, you know, amongst mm. the world of scholars and tulab ilm, whereby uh, whole events that take place are not translated and you just get one side of the story because you're relying on, on, on what is being translated for you. That is the bigger problem with translations than the actual accuracy. Is the fact that um, you only have access to that which is being translated for you. You are at the mercy of the translator, his opinion, his agenda, and what he wants you to hear. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. You'll only hear what the translator wants you to hear. And, and it gets even worse when you have individuals uh, putting down shurut or conditions for accepting translations which which are arbitrary and mm, i've seen this mm. with my own eyes i've seen a message yeah. being posted on a whatsapp group by a certain individual who is at a certain organization in the west and he basically put down three conditions he said for any translation for you to accept it look for these three conditions and in essence the two conditions the first and the third one are just kind of like there to hide the second one which is very sinister <laughs> I think I remember so this. First, yes. So the first the first condition makes sense that the person knows the language, the target language, and the source language. Of course, you should be. This is what Sheikh Uthman said. No doubt, nobody mm-hmm. can argue with that. Yes. The third condition, which is itself a bit questionable, which is that you get the permission of the of the uh, Sheikh or the person you're translating for, which is arguable which itself is questionable. Why? Because there are so many works that are being translated that you can't even get permission for. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's put that aside. Mm-hmm. But it's really about the second condition, Akhi, which is, <laughs> you know, like they say, sumu fil asal. It's the poison in the honey. Mm-hmm. Which is, um, is the translator known for cooperating with our brothers or X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. In other words, they put a condition for your translation to be accepted is that you are known by the brothers or that you cooperate with the brothers. Allah knows who the brothers are. But just <laughs> that you are basically someone who is approved of within the circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now you can see how dangerous this is because now that basically means that the whole community is at the mercy of that small group of brothers who see eye to eye, who have the same opinion and the same outlook and everything, that to their, to their mercy in terms of what gets translated. So if... If I or you or anyone else outside that circle translates something, it's you're not even allowed to send that around. Not because the person's not Salafi, not because he's a Mubtadi or an innovator, no. Because he doesn't cooperate with Fulan and Allah. You see what I mean? So (laughs) that is when you see this kind of condition being put out, that's when you see how dangerous it is to rely on translations because you're at the mercy of the agenda. If you are yeah. comfortable with that, it's mm-hmm. up to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I, I, I'm sure hundreds and thousands of people are not. 
Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's definitely something which is it's actually terrible. It's something it's a big problem, a huge problem uh, that you would have to be, you know, uh, at the mercy of the small select individuals of and taking translation of the small amount of people that they say is okay to take translation from because in essence, there is a lot of things that's been translated, even though it is limited to what is available in the Arabic language. But then to have to worry about that other uh, limitation, which is that we must know who that translator is. It makes it, Yanni, it gives you a very, very, very small insight to um, in essence, what this vast ocean of Islam is all about. You know, let's say for example, you don't have Arabic language. Okay. Once you have the Arabic language, okay, now you have a whole library available to you. Okay, you have things like Shamila that has thousands on top of thousands on top of thousands of books available for you. You have libraries in the Memleka that have thousands and thousands of books available. So you have the bookstores, etc. That goes without being said. Now, let's say you don't have the Arabic language and you only have to rely on the translation. Okay, now it just got very narrow for narrow. you. Very, very narrow. And that narrowness... Uh, you know, you have this narrow, small little, um, I won't even say it's a pond. It's like a small pool, like a shallow pool compared to this ocean that's available, right? Yeah. And that's what's available to you in the Arabic language. If somebody comes and says, hey, now you have to only, you have to worry about the translator that we say is okay as well. That now takes it and takes it like this little bit of water that I have right here. Just throw it on it's the table. Only drink I get. It's only drink, only drink. You can only drink from this small almost pool like in terms of water you can only drink that which i pour for you with my own hands into your cup if i yes, don't this, do that you know yes, you have to come yes. to me and you have to yes. say please can i have a bit more water yes okay yes, here you yes, go. Yeah. okay don't yeah, ask a, more come back tomorrow. that's <laughs> yeah and that's problematic but but to speak more to your overall point of you know just the fact of how limited you are in the, in the english language and like you were saying like how pretty much you're getting a filter of islam of what people choose like I think your word was what is it? A selective export, selective export yeah. of what they choose to translate. Then what happens? You know, especially like this is how I would look at it as somebody who's coming from a non-Islamic background. You're coming into Islam to learn Islam, and you have the small limitation of what you have in front of you as far as the English language, and everything that's being put forth to you. It's kind of not sim. I don't want to say similar, but it's it gives you a small like uh, uh, understanding of what. The whole of Islam is about, you know, because you're limited. Yeah, yeah. You, become very, what, what you become very narrow-minded. Narrow-minded. So, so you sort of it, it can lead yeah. to people. Yeah, it can lead to meet people thinking that Islam is black and white, and it's a lot of people yeah. have this type of understanding with a lot of different things. They think it's black or white, my way or the highway, and you don't understand how difference of opinion, you know, uh, is understood. You don't understand how somebody might come with some other type of, uh, you know. Um, uh, uh, Sheikh who explains it in a different way all of that is because to your world it's either this way or that way you get what I'm saying which in essence there is some things that you you know you have to be stay away from of course we're not saying that but I'm saying the way that it's put forth sometimes if you don't have the Arabic language you will not know how to, to you know uh, separate between what you can take and what you can't take and what is what is actual a legit opinion and what is not a legit opinion yeah. even more more uh, more of a restriction, or a, the biggest restriction of all, is the fact that uh, not only the books, you can't mm. access scholars. Mm. You can't even yeah. for yourself call a scholar and be like, Sheikh, I heard this. What's happening? Uh, things are happening on the Saha, things that scholars are saying. You're still, again, 
reliant on what gets translated. You can't go and ask either the scholar yourself or ask people that are in that vicinity yourself. So at the end of the day, you're at the mercy of others. And subhanAllah, sometimes, akhi, um, this is by design sometimes. Mm. In some communities, it's by design. And uh, to give you an example, I know a very close friend of mine. He posted in one of the WhatsApp groups. He said that, I wish to learn the Arabic language so that I can take knowledge from the scholars directly myself. Mm. Guess what? <laughs> he oh, got no. backlash. Oh, no, <laughs> he no. got backlash. People said, what? What are you talking about? Why did you take knowledge from the scholars directly yourself? Our tulab and our mashayikh, you know, they are our gateways to the scholars and they're close to the scholars. Why don't you just ask them? They basically said to him that you are arrogant. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> wow. So, so you're arrogant for you're you're arrogant for wanting to learn Arabic for yourself and your family so that you can go straight to the scholars to learn from them. Yeah. So why don't you go why don't you go through the brothers who've been studying with the scholar for twenty years or ten years, fifteen years? Who do you think you are? You can go isn't, straight isn't, to the scholar. Isn't isn't that in actuality being arrogant saying come to us only in order to get to the scholars? It, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, of course, it that, is. That's what they call. That's what they call gaslighting. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I don't. I personally, other than teaching people tawheed and the sunnah and aqid and what they need to know for their religion, in order to get closer to Allah and fulfill their wajibat, for mm -hmm. me, I can't see any next step that is more impactful than teaching people the Arabic language because, like the Chinese proverb goes. Give a man a fish, you feed him for a day. Teach him how to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. No. So if you teach people Arabic language and they can go and seek knowledge from scholars directly, you've empowered that person for the rest of his life. And he himself will, inshallah, go ahead and empower others. And before you know it, inshallah, we have uh, what they call language shift. We talked about it when Ismail was there. Hafizahullah. Uh, Naam, mm -hmm. language shift is something real. It can happen. It's possible. 10, 20 years from now, it's possible that you have cities, States, neighborhoods, maybe even countries where you have communities of Muslims who speak Arabic in the West. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about Muslim countries. Mm -hmm. In the West, you might have cities where you have a masjid where people only speak Arabic. It's possible. Yeah. And I look yeah. forward to that day. I look forward to that mm -hmm. day. Yeah. Yeah. Inshallah. Okay. I want to move on because uh, we can't stay on too too long today mm -hmm. as I have an uh, appointment that I have to be at. Um, so the next uh, topic or suggestion, rather, uh, just to put it all into one question it says how can a wife cope with the challenges of being married to a student of knowledge particularly if he is studying in KSA and she feels neglected um, I hope you don't mind if I start with this one because no, it, okay, okay perfect how can a wife cope with the challenges of being married to a student of knowledge um, I would say first off to the sisters who um are looking to, you know, or who may be married to students of knowledge or new students, beginners of students of knowledge, um, you have to keep in mind the importance of seeking knowledge. And this is because all of those importances of seeking knowledge also follow under you because you're going to be dealing with, um, so to say, needing the patience for the particular road that he is about to embark upon or that you all will embark upon because he's not seeking knowledge simply for himself, but he's also uh, seeking it for his family. And to better the family. And I'm sure if you're in KSA, like you've mentioned in this question, then if you are sitting in KSA, and there's many opportunities for the sisters to likewise study uh, with their husbands. So going back to the importance of the priorities of the Muslim, which is 
you know, Allah Ta'ala, he tells us in the Quran, وَمَا خَلَقَتُ الْجِنَّ وَالْإِنسَ إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُونَ مَا أُرِيدُ مِنْهُمْ مِنْ رِزْقٍ وَمَا أُرِيدُ أَنْ يُطْعِمُونَ إِنَّ اللَّهُ هُوَ الرَّزَّاقُ ذُو قُوَّةِ الْمَتِينَ So we have to understand that, that and it, I did not create the jinn and the mankind except to worship me. This is what Allah Ta'ala says. I do not want from them any provisions, nor do I want from them to feed me. Indeed, it is Allah who is the provider and he is firm possessor of strength. So knowing in order to worship Allah Tabaraka wa Ta'ala, Upon insight and clarity, it takes knowledge. We, as we know, as we learned in Asura Thalatha al Ilm, Qabil al Qawli wal Amal, and we learned in Surah Al Asr. So we know that knowledge precedes statement and actions. You must have knowledge in order to worship Allah Taala upon yaqeen, upon clarity. Likewise, in Surah Al Asr, where Allah Taala He tells us, Wal Asr Inna al Insan la fi Khusr illa ladina aman wa amilu sarihati wa tawasa bil haqi wa tawasa bil sabr. So in this last part, we see that it clearly needs. So the people who believe, and then they act by way of their faith. So you have to have knowledge. It betters you, and it helps you get connected to the priority of why we've been placed there. Now, going speed, speed uh, forwarding to the question. Okay, how can you cope with this? This right here helps cope, help you cope with it. It helps you cope by understanding the priorities of this dunya. This, we're not placed in this dunya to have a lot of glamours. We're not placed in this dunya to ha do a lot of shopping. We're not placed in this dunya to have mansions and things like that. Now, if it comes, it comes. But our main priority is to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala upon clarity and to keep the hereafter close and near in our mind state. So this is something that's important for not only uh, the wife to, to know, but the, the husband needs to be clear and has to have his, his ikhlas and his intention firmly rooted in this uh, whilst he seeks knowledge and continuous, uh, continuously checks his intention while he seeks knowledge because it's very easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, you saying, okay, I'm a student and people knowing you as a student and now you're translating a little bit and now you're sitting in scholars' lessons, lessons that are like completely, you know, unheard of for people in the West. They can never get in those lessons, but you have been blessed to be in that situation. So you might start thinking of yourself of something that you're not. You must check yourself. You must check your intentions. You must check and, and remind yourself why you're there and why you're studying. Um, so keeping this priority there is something which is going to bring about ease, not only for the student, but even for his family, reminding them of this particular thing. Uh, another thing that I would like to add to that, um, going back to the question of how can a wife cope with the challenges of being married to a student knowledge, particularly studying in the KSA, uh, if she feels neglected, this will be advice for the brothers now. Now, some brothers, this might go without you know, sometimes it goes a little bit taboo. You know, people don't really talk about it. But it's it's very important for the brother himself to make sure that he's managing some type of time for his family. Um, this is something that even Sheikh Uthaymeer, rahimahullah ta'ala, he would discuss. Uh, he discussed it on Friday. It's actually, it was his wife, uh, Hafilahullah. When she when he passed away, she discussed this. She discussed the fact that on Fridays, that was their day. That was their day for uh, him to be with the family and we know Sheikh Uthaymeen how many books has he written how many lessons has he taught how many different you know uh, Mahadharat did he attend how many different places did he travel teaching and giving knowledge everywhere all around right but with that he still made particular time for his family so and obviously we have the, the best example in the Prophet ﷺ being first and foremost with regards to spending time with his wives so it's important that we do not neglect this because some people do get caught up in this they get caught up in seeking knowledge and being busy with knowledge and they neglect their family or they tell their family to be patient and they put them in hardships and it's already difficult enough that you're in an environment that you that is foreign to you it's in a it's just in a uh, you're in a probably a financial situation financial situation you weren't previously in 
Um, you need to make sure that you set aside that time to teach your family and be with your family and, you know, teach your kids as well. Wallahu a'lam. You go ahead, Akhi, you can add to what you have to that. Oh, yeah. No, Allah, you hit the nail on the head. Yani, at the end of the day, <clears throat> the most important thing is intention and that the sister remembers why um, she needs to be patient. At the end of the day, it is for the sake of a great noble goal, which is gaining knowledge. Knowledge in which lies the key to the rectification of her husband, first and foremost. That believe me, you'd rather be married to a student of knowledge who seeks knowledge for the sake of Allah and then acts upon it and becomes more God-fearing than that you marry or uh, you have your husband stay with you in the West where he becomes heedless and engrossed in things that are not good for his Iman up until his Iman becomes weak. And when his Iman becomes weak, if he doesn't look after the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he has no taqwa, don't expect him to fulfill your rights. Okay. And you'll find him to be a worse husband. Um, and eventually he might be involved in he might be engrossed in haram and to the extent that now you know he he's not happy anymore with the marriage because of the fact that he sees all the haram around him so he doesn't uh, unfortunately appreciate the ni'mah he has anymore so mm -hmm. believe me sister having your husband in a muslim country in a place where there is less fitna and in an environment where he's hearing advice from scholars and he is seeking knowledge of the Quran and the Sunnah, it will benefit him and it will also benefit you as well uh, because he'll become a better person, inshallah ta'ala. So it is absolutely worth it for the long term. So like I said, not only is there benefit in it for him, and of course you'll have khair for him, not only is there benefit in it for you in terms of getting the reward of patience, to the extent that you will get a share of his reward, inshallah ta'ala, if you aid him upon that which is bir and taqwa, like the Prophet Muhammad uh, mentioned. Um, so you'll get your uh, reward in that. Um, also, like I said, not just benefit for him in terms of reward, not just benefit for, for you in terms of reward, but also benefit for you and him together in terms of your relationship. Because now your relationship will be a relationship that's built more on taqwa and on that which pleases Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. To the extent that he's more likely to fulfill your rights, you're more likely to fulfill his rights because of the fact that now he has the knowledge to cultivate you and tell you about um, the rights that are upon you when it comes to him. He's better equipped to remind you and admonish you to make you ultimately a better wife. So, I mean... And that's even before we start talking about the kids. <laughs> you know, now you're yeah. going to have kids. Now you can have a father who knows his deen, who can teach your children <clears throat> the correct aqidah, the correct fiqh. And uh, at the end of the day, even your kids, there'll be barakah in them. Mm. And just, I mean, barakah, barakah. Let's just, let's just say barakah, barakah to the The barakah mm. of knowledge. Okay. Mm. Just like Isa alayhi salam said, that he has made me mubarakan wherever I am. What is the name? What is the meaning of barakah? Barakah means that this person becomes a source of khair for himself and for others. Okay, and that khair is reliant on knowledge. So rest assured, my dear sister, that your husband seeking knowledge for the sake of Allah, provided that he acts upon it and he's seeking knowledge from the correct channels, rest assured that in it lies barakah for you and your family and everyone that comes within close vicinity of your husband. And 
also another angle as well as your husband seeks knowledge and he implements that knowledge and he cultivates you and he cultivates his children and he cultivates the ummah of muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam just try to imagine how much dua your husband will get for helping the people in their deen whereby the audience say jazakallah khairan ustad barakallah fiik ustad may allah bless your family and your wealth and everything ustad all of this dua that your husband is getting for benefiting the ummah you mm. will get your share just like it's the prophet said that the alim everything everything seeks for everyone and everything seeks forgiveness for the scholar even mm -hmm. the fish in the sea even mm -hmm. the fish in the sea mm -hmm. um, also yani if we look at um, on the day of judgment on the day of judgment of course if your husband is someone righteous and allah ta'ala admits him to jannah and he gets a shafa'a Who's the first people who's going to make shafa'a for? <laughs> His family members. You know, you benefit from that as well. Um, he, he is someone who will make more dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if he is someone who has knowledge, no doubt he will come across the ayat in the Quran whereby, whereby what? He makes dua by saying, Oh Allah, make for us from our wives and our children the coolness of the eye. Now, if he makes this dua, whose dua, who is this dua for? This dua is for you. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, likewise, the angels that seek forgiveness. The angels will make dua for you because they make dua, they say, Oh Allah, enter into Jannah, yes, whoever is righteous from their fathers mm -hmm. and their wives and their children. You know, mm -hmm. so someone who is close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if he's a wali of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and of course the scholars in the Tulab al-ilm are the most likely of being the awliya of Allah if they act upon their knowledge, mm -hmm. then these awliya of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will fulfill their wishes and, and the greatest wish that any person has is for their family to be rectified and for their family to go to Jannah. يعني, I don't know how to put it, but in knowledge lies barakah. No, no. The more knowledge yeah, your husband seeks, the more barakah he's seeking. Wallah mm. is better that your husband goes out in the morning to go out and seek knowledge and come back with more knowledge than he goes out and he comes back with thousands of dollars. Why? <laughs> for, for real. He so. comes back. Like the Prophet Muhammad said, he said, shall I not tell you? No, he said in the hadith, he mentioned that one of, if, that one of you would go out to the masjid to learn an ayah from the Quran or two ayat from the Quran is better for him than two fat sheep or two fat camels that he'll bring back home. Mm -hmm. And that's wealth, basically. So no, that your no. husband goes out to the masjid to memorize two ayat of the Quran, the Prophet Muhammad mentioned is better nice. than he comes back with two fat, you know, animals uh, in terms of wealth. That he goes mm. and learns some ayat of the Quran and he understands them correctly and he memorizes them and he comes back home, your husband has gained more than the one who went out to the stock market and made a killing. There's no doubt. No, no. To bring back baraka to your house that is far greater than the than whatever wealth he would have brought to the house. So at mm -hmm. the end of the day, my advice is you yourself, and this is an important thing, follow your husband in his footsteps. He's seeking knowledge, you seek knowledge too. And I guarantee you, the more knowledge that you seek, my dear sister, the more you'll appreciate knowledge. To mm -hmm. the extent that you see the beauty of knowledge whereby you will be the one pushing your husband out of the door. Mm -hmm. Get out. Mm -hmm. Don't seek mm -hmm. more knowledge. Mm -hmm. What are you doing here? <laughs> 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 when, you, when you see
when no, when you when you realize the benefit of knowledge and the status of knowledge, you know, believe me, my sister, you will be the one who's encouraging your husband to leave. Just look mm-hmm. at the Sahabiyat of the Allah anhum. Mm-hmm. They were the first ones to encourage their husbands to do jihad. That's acknowledged. They're the first ones to tell their husbands, go out and fight for the sake of Allah and, and go die on the battlefield mm-hmm. and go to Jannah. Mm-hmm. Why? Mm-hmm. Why did the Sahabiyah do this? Because they realized the great honor that the Mujahid mm-hmm. gets. They realized that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not let down. Yes? The one who left behind a wife or children for his mm-hmm. sake. Allah won't let mm-hmm. them down. Well, they, no. You need to keep that in mind. Take inspiration from Hajar. Okay? Take inspiration from Hajar. When Ibrahim said, I'm leaving you and your children in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what did she say to him? Did Allah command you with this? Mm-hmm. He said, yes. She said, Allah will not let us down. <laughs> Allah, this is, if you, Ibrahim, are doing something that's pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you're leaving us for the sake of Allah to do that which pleases Allah, Allah will not let us down. What mm. happened? The rest is history, of course. <laughs> the Zamzam and the Sa'i and We do Hajj copying what she did. Look at that barakah. Mm. <laughs> We're copying her in her footsteps. Allah Ta'ala has honored her in this world and the hereafter. Allah has made for her a way out. Jibril came and dug for her. Zamzam, uh, uh, a, a, a people came to her that lived close to her, and Ismail grew up amongst that people. And, you know, it was. Mm. It was like Ibrahim mentioned I've left my family in a place with no vegetation oh my lord okay and he made dua for them and he left Allah looked after them point is my dear sister it's a very long long topic but I mm. think just stick to what our brother Abdul Hamid said in terms of you know, correcting the intention and the benefit of the knowledge, and you look at it from that angle, and you yourself seek knowledge so that you appreciate what knowledge is, then inshallah ta'ala, my dear sister, not just will you be patient, you will be a miftah lil khair, miftah lil khair. You'll be a key to good, and you'll be the one encouraging your husband when he feels down, and together you will both, not just together, you and your family, and your kids, and everyone around you, all of you, We'll reap the benefits. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make you a household of barakah. Uh, just adding to that, uh, something really, really brief, which is mentioned, when you're talking about, um, you know, the woman uh, being someone who also seeks knowledge. Now, in hindsight, some women can't do that, okay? And I just want to be completely realistic with it. But the very least sister, and this is for all the sisters who's listening who may be married to a student or may be married to even someone who's trying to seek knowledge here in the West, someone who's trying to be upon khair. Don't be a person who hinders that, though. Be someone who's supportive of it. Think about ways you can you can do things to make things easy. Sometimes pe- women uh, or people generally, it's important for us all to be you know completely honest with ourselves, even though we might try our hardest and not give up. At the very least, don't become someone who doesn't like it and would rather him do things dunyawi and rather, you know, him be involved in things that are less of less benefit. Help and assist, you know, maybe prepare meals before he goes to them lessons. Maybe help him to get, you know, his books ready or, you know, go over some of the notes that he did in his last lesson, help him with his review even. You know, something, these little small things add up. And at the end, you'll see that it's, it'll add barakah to the household. It will increase the love between the two spouses, you know, but being someone who, you know, not only do you not want to seek knowledge, but you don't want to assist in seeking knowledge, but it may be a hardship. This is going to cause some type of friction in the household. Wallahu a'lam. 
ام اخي ان شاء الله ام اكسبكتينج اخي سوري اي سيد ان شاء الله ام اكسبكتينج باذن الله الكريم انا اف جوت جود انتنشن اف جوت جود اكسبكتيشن اوف اسيستس في الله اي اكسبكت ا لوت اوف هازبندز تو هير يلا جيت اوت جو سيك نوليدج وات اي دو برادرز بريبير يور سيلف ان شاء الله ان شاء الله ان شاء الله جزاك الله خير اخي ام ذيرز ا لوت وي كان توك اباوت اند I think we could take these next week, but I'm just going to read them now. There's a few questions that go along with that same topic. Um, one, the second one was, what is the advice for you that you have for the sisters who need to adjust mentally to a less financial stable lifestyle after a man goes through their knowledge? This kind of goes to the last topic, but we'll take it next week because we don't have any time. Uh, what sacrifices and challenges do wives and students of knowledge typically face, such as leaving their home country, lifestyle, and family? Next question. Could you discuss topics like marriage, seeking knowledge as a single woman, and dealing with family members who are not upon the sunnah and their impact on faith? Another question as well, and discuss, uh, also recommended discussion. How an individual living in the West can identify that they've become somewhat heedless? What are some, of, what are some signs and things they can look for and look out for and some practical steps to combat this? So inshallah, next week we'll try to um, tackle what we can from these different questions that came forth. But today, uh, time has run out. And I want to end it with uh, just a, a small reminder that we are in the month of Muharram. And uh, hopefully this this podcast comes out before uh, Yom Al-Ashura, uh, which is the 10th of Muharram, which is a day that is recommended to fast. And the Prophet ﷺ, he said that the best fasting after the month of Ramadan is the fasting of Muharram. And the best prayer after obligatory prayer is the night voluntary prayer so it's an opportunity for us to take advantage of muharram uh, and fast the the yom al-ashura which is the day in which we fast out of gratitude of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala frees uh freeing musa alayhi salam from the tyrant of fir'aun and his people um and i'm sure our viewers are well aware of the story and we can go into more later but again time right now is very very tight mm-hmm. the sunnah is to uh try to establish a day before it Yom al-Ashura or a day after it with Yom al-Ashura and if you can't do either of those two then suffice with Yom al-Ashura which will be this Friday coming up uh, this Friday on the let's see what what date is that Gregorian uh, let me look at the schedule real quick the calendar uh, the 28th the 28th of July okay so try to fa- fast Thursday the 27th along with Friday the 28th or it's Friday the 28th along with the uh, Saturday the 29th or if you can't do either of those at least try to fast Yom Al-Ashura as the Prophet said if I was to uh, reach the next year then I would fast uh, a day with Yom Al-Ashura and for Akhi. the reason of um, uh, doing Mukhalaf of the Yehud the Jews would Ahsan. fast that day the ninth day uh, and uh, sorry the 10th day and the Prophet Muhammad wanted to be different from the Jews by adding a day before or a day after, which again itself is a massive topic with regards to Mukhalafat Ahl al Kitab, Al Kufar, and another topic, inshallah, for another day. Jazakallah khair, akhi, Allah ya fadik. And with that, we will uh, end our discussion, our podcast of this week. Wallahu alam, wa sallallahu wa sallam, wa barak ala nabina Muhammad, salam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Subscribe, share, and like. Of course. (laughs) (laughs) You never forget that, (laughs) Akhid. Barakallah. Salaam alaikum.